Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? It is certainly tense. Mm -hmm. People are upset. They're struggling, looking for work. These are tough times. <laughs> How about you? Not too bad, thanks, therapist from the Oscar-nominated film Joker, which draws scary parallels between Gotham City and the current global crisis. Hi guys, Nicola here. Welcome back to the Mental Health Breakdown podcast. We are on episode three and I've got a lovely treat for you. A friend of mine called Alistair Clayton, or Al, as I call him, um, will be joining me on the podcast in just a second. We are going to be having a little bit of a chat about, obviously, the C word, uh, coronavirus, or COVID, the vid. Um, but we're also going to be having a chat about one of our favourite films, Joker, which we are obsessed with because we love to talk about mental illness and mental well-being. And Al actually has his own podcast, which is called If You're Happy, Do You Know It? And I highly recommend you guys, after listening to this episode, go and check out his podcast. Um, I'm actually on the first episode. We recorded that a couple of years ago. And we have a lovely, frank and honest chat about what it is to be happy. So we had a little discussion earlier this week, Al and I, about the film Joker, the parallels it draws with what's going on in the world at the moment, and kind of discussions around the central character and the way that society views people who are suffering with mental illness. He's a fantastic talker, he's he's a director and a dear friend of mine. He, he really does know what he's talking about, so I hope you enjoy our little conversation. your beautiful voice i'm a little bit allergic to the cats so i've got to curtail the sniffing oh i've got loads of sniffing going on i've got um my bed's covered in tissues i'm like a teenager <laughs> teenage boy yeah it's disgusting I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not corona related it's just my my allergies i got some allergies yeah i got some allergies too it's <laughs> awful i'm i'm popping loracidine like it's no one's business mm, i'm big on the um whatever puritan is it's delicious yeah absolutely delightful but obviously don't overdose on it i might i might start i might start the podcast here actually <laughs> okay good we're in why not do, do you ever find that antihistamines have an effect on your general well-being aside from allergies do you feel um, drowsy well it depends which ones we're talking about because so i used to these i feel like every few years it changes which ones have any effect on me Right, got you. So you grow up like a tolerance to it or something. Yeah. So my current my current guy <laughs> can I can get a little drowsy with it, but not mm -hmm. not really. But then I have another one that help that's specifically for drowsiness, so I can go to sleep. Ah, okay. So you're you're mixing and matching. You're yeah, making the most yeah. of it. You should see the, the amount of stuff I take just to go to sleep. Oh god. <laughs> bless you well how are you doing how are you holding up during this weird old time now that's a that's a good place to start because 
I wanted to do like a poll of <laughs> which adjective we use to refer to the time. Because every email <laughs> and every correspondence you get now is like, wow, something time, eh? So, <laughs> there's some top Unprecedented. Unprecedented is a big one. That's a big one. That's yeah. definitely for, for top number one, I think. Um, we've got challenging. We've got difficult. We've got strange. Um, <laughs> there's some good stuff going on. We need to get our thesauruses out, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how are you doing in these um, oddly peculiar times actually i haven't peculiar is a brand new one peculiar. oh i don't know really i don't really know like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> get that thesaurus out mate <laughs> it's really hard to um decide every it's strange yeah but i don't really know what until until someone brings up a specific thing like this is what people do they go like, how are you feeling and you go yeah i'm all right and they go are you worried about this and i go well i am now yeah. i am now thanks for mentioning it so um yeah. yeah i was like very uh on edge about i suppose work and money and all of that like everyone is mm. um and i think we've kind of as a business we've kind of got a plan in place that makes me feel all right about it now good and because you obviously work in the film and television industry which is on its ass it is right yeah i mean there is no work certainly but um mm. i think with what the government's done we have a way of kind of working it out we're in a weird position where it's like we can't do any work but also three of us run the company so it feels and this is something I'm sure we'll come on to, but it feels very hard not to like be working. But at yeah. the same time, there's really nothing to do. It's bizarre, uh, isn't it? Such yeah. a strange little limbo world. And I feel so much pressure actually to do all the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's my allergies, mm. um, to be doing all the things that I feel like I need to catch up on. But then there's just sort of no guaranteed work at the end of it. Yes, exactly. But that's self-employment anyway, isn't it? The shit we do for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also I think, <laughs> um, yeah, see, my feeling about all of that is like every day I get up and I've got a long list of things that I want to do that normally when I've got loads of other work to do, I don't get around to doing. Mm. And, you know, like everyone, not everyone, but like people you see online, they go, ah, oh, right, look at it as a time for reflection and getting all that stuff done that you wanted to do. But there's a huge part of me that just goes, can't I just stay in bed and go to sleep? Like, yeah, it's really it's like, I can't... it's like we've discussed in previous conversations we've had about mental illness, the word depressed. If you, what you explain it because you, you taught me oh, this. Yeah, it was a, a, it's a quote from a guy called Jeff Foster who said that if you break it down, it, depressed sounds like deep rest and it's a theory that perhaps human beings especially in a world that's like there's it's so full-on there's so much to do there's so many responsibilities all the time and you have to always put on a character you always have to be someone you have to be healthy you have to be smart you have to be productive all the time and sometimes maybe human beings need a period of deep rest to reset from that mm -hmm. and almost one way of looking at 
this kind of thing is like maybe it's a period of we we need to rest take a deep, bit of time out deeply um but it's it's tricky because everywhere you look is like oh i'm doing this and it's all right you could do everything online and be just as productive as you always can and then i get oh, really overly philosophical about it but it's like um it does make you realize that there's a, such a culture especially in a capitalism gone mad society of of like you have to be productive at all times otherwise you are you're seen as worthless like that's just mm -hmm. quite that's quite blatant in society if you're not producing either a service or a product or entertainment or some children or children yeah exactly <laughs> if you're not producing human beings you better be producing something human beings need or want um mm. and if you're not then you have no worth it, that's how it feels and like that's such a that's a culture that we're we're in but i think it's interesting how quickly it's felt it's so ingrained like oh yeah i actually do feel worthless if i don't achieve a thing that has a sort of value put on it mm -hmm. um, that's what i've been hearing from a lot from people friends recently people who've lost their businesses or, or you know have been furloughed and don't know what's going on in the future that they wrap so much of their identity in what they do for a living and people are starting to really assess like well who am i aside from that job and that's not a bad thing you know people work really hard to to identify as you know yeah, yeah. a creative or a, a banker or a nurse or, or whatever and now people are going okay yeah what am i what, what am i who am i aside from that and that's quite a scary prospect yeah yeah and maybe, maybe that's why it is frightening because you suddenly have to look at the more of yourself perhaps i don't know I yeah to, maybe you suddenly have to go oh who am i that isn't someone that's going to be working for most of my waking hours. Mm -hmm. Who's that? And is that person like um, entertaining enough for me to spend all day in the house with? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. who are these people that I've chosen to spend most of my life with? The people that I live with, mm. you know, my family, how much do I, how much do I love this person? Do I love them uh, eight hours of the day or can I love them 24 seven? Now this is, where it might might become a little bit soppy but i must say like <laughs> something that i am very very ridiculously fortunate to have is that person who yeah like um i mean she's very busy working from home but um yeah, yeah we we do probably annoyingly get on far better if we're spending all our time together so like oh that's great but like i'm sure lots of people are like yeah no you're not but it, we genuinely just no i can vouch it. for the fact that yeah. you're absolutely telling me to. <laughs> yeah yeah but um <laughs> so that part of it is absolutely that's like a genuine comfort i just kind of go oh good at least we're together here and like and we've got three cats and they're hugely helpful because they don't give a shit about viruses they literally, <laughs> no. they're just doing whatever <laughs> they do but they're really pleased that we're near them all day so they can get little yeah. fusses and treats and it's i don't know i do i do like that's i'm very very grateful to have pets around um not not for everyone but i do think if people do have that connection with with a pet 
man it's it's really special like it, is really it makes a difference yeah, yeah. hey i looked into fostering a dog they're not doing it because they've had such a massive influx yeah. of people um wanting to foster oh, but right now because obviously i'm i'm totally on my own yeah just the thought of having a little doggo here would be awesome but um yeah not not doable for for the future otherwise i'd i'd properly adopt yeah but there we go but just going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier about that, um, you know, people feeling like they need to put on a mask or play a character, that kind of neatly brings us into the main topic of conversation <laughs> that I want to chat with you today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> neatly linked. It was something you mentioned like 10 minutes ago. I'm just going to segue <laughs> back. But um, so Al, Al and I are massive fans of the film Joker. Yeah. And we've been speaking about it for ages haven't we since it came out about how we wanted to chat a little bit about mental illness and the film itself and what it says about our current society and Al sent me a text was it yesterday wasn't it yeah, I think so just going is it just me or is it getting crazier out there <laughs> and that's it I mean if anyone hasn't seen Joker where have you been? <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and this might not be so much fun for you. No, we can make it fun anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it just, it really hit home when you sent me that message. I was like, yes, I've been thinking this yeah. <laughs> for ages. The, what, the, the time we're living in now is the opening scene to Joker, right? Oh, could, could well be. Um, that's worrying. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. But So I was listening to uh, Nigel Farage. Um, God, yeah. n not for entertainment purposes, just because I like to try and listen as much as I can to the people that I don't like, um, so I can hear what their opinions are and um, how to debate them, as it yeah. were. But I was listening to him and he was having a phone in on LBC and he was talking about, you know, uh, all the tips are closed. So what are we going to do? We're going to be overrun with rubbish, aren't we? Um, so, you know, what do I do? Do I take all my recycling and burn it? I've got a bonfire. I'll just burn it oh in the back God. garden. Otherwise, we're going to be overrun with rats and this city's going to go into the gutter. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, this is the opening scene from Joker. Because, right, it starts with yeah. Gotham City. Basically, they've stopped doing the refuse collection. Yeah. So the city is filling with rubbish. And super rats. Yeah. And super rats. And I was listening to Farage talking about it and was like... Oh my God. He's like the penguin, right? Yeah. I would say he looks quite penguin-esque. Yeah, I guess he, yeah. But he's also, he's weirdly got some traits of other, um, other kind of iterations of the Joker character from probably from the comic yeah. books of like, he just seems like someone who wants to spark chaos in the easily manipulated population and just yeah, sit back and right. watch it and like i often feel like with people like that what is what's the point what are you trying to achieve i assume somewhere through clever tax schemes it's money but like <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> yeah you do because I, I watched his little he did little home video thing about and it what he said wasn't weirdly wasn't like completely something i disagree with for once and it made me feel a bit strange to see that but he's yeah. put this little video out of set and it's called something like uh say no to house arrest where <laughs> <laughs> and he rambles on for 15 minutes about how 
he went out for two walks and uh, <laughs> and although he takes the thing very very seriously and he does think everyone should stay indoors and all of this that you know he's worried that that we're becoming a police state already and all this stuff oh god and it's like there might be in there some genuine concerns that need to be discussed maybe maybe later, but there might be in there right that aside he must know that what people like him say populist figures who say little things like this spark um outrage yeah, and they spark the kind of people who aren't sure what to express and how to express it the desire mm. to fight and it yeah it's just slightly concerning of I wonder how many people watch that and go yeah yeah i am under house arrest i'm not taking this anymore um yeah and yeah it's it's well he's an extremist isn't he in in a sense like i do you know what i i hate this that i'm gonna say this but i respect certain aspects of nigel farage's way of of communicating he's an incredible orator and he engages with people he's anti-establishment which is all things that i respect and admire and would consider myself to be but it just so happens that we go about things um sorry we believe in different things um and i think that his the one of the reasons for his very worrying and concerning success is that he's very clear about what he wants and what he stands for and he's what's the word when you just go against something He's not a controversialist, but... Um, uh, contrary, yeah. Yeah, he's quite contrary. Yeah. So, you know, when the world zigs, he zags, and that's quite attractive. Mm. That's quite an attractive quality because, we, you know, we're hearing so much of one thing in the media and then to hear so- about somebody going in the opposite direction, he, he sets himself up as this underdog. And lots of people, you know, you and I will look at Farage and think villain, whereas actually a lot of people look at him and think, hero and i understand why and that's going back to like the comic book thing of mm-hmm. everyone thinks no one thinks of themselves as a baddie right yeah yeah exactly we we all think that we are a hero in this story and then look at something like joker particularly um you know obviously that that specific version that we're talking about that came out last year mm-hmm. you, he's the ultimate anti-hero yeah. and you end up rooting for somebody who's a serial killer yeah, yeah. and you know particularly a, a you know, a murder of women. I mean, he kills his own mother. Oh, spoiler alert, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, where have you been? But um, he, but you're rooting for him and you have empathy for him and you understand why he does mm. what he does. I think it, it's also, it's a really kind of um, eye-opening study of yourself. And I think that's probably why early on a lot of critics decided that it was bad it was a bad film and it was it was dangerous and all this stuff because it you do you're invited to just the nature of storytelling in film is that you present your hero and that is the person your the audience has to side with in order to engage with the film so it's almost it's a challenging portrayal because it's saying this is your guy Here's all the reasons why you would feel like him. And then there's a tipping point. And suddenly a lot of mm. people go, whoa, I'm not comfortable with the fact that I liked him. Um, but I think what's really amazing about that is that that is in all of us. Mm. He, 
you know, the people that he, again, spoilers, but the people that he kills first in that film is self-defense against people that are genuinely thought of as villains in, in our yeah. current culture. Um, he kills, yeah, three, you know, very, very privileged bullies, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and there's a big question during in the film, isn't there, from the, the Wayne family mm. of like, you know, why should you target somebody because of their privilege? But it's it's not privilege on its own. It's privilege plus bullying yeah, yeah. and abuse and exploitation yeah. uh, of those, you know, lower down the pecking order, as mm. it were. Yeah. Um, and I think, it yeah, it does challenge your thought because you're kind of with him all the way and then that happens and you go, oh, am I am I rooting for that still? yeah <laughs> um and you kind of are but also that that raises a lot of questions so i think a lot of people that kind of felt uncomfortable with that um is it's a good thing to challenge that kind of assumption that oh well that's not me um yeah. and i think that's kind of that does come back to you know what we're seeing at the moment obviously not those kind of extremes but um just the fact that our first world leader has this virus it is like a truly um you know it's not uh what's the word i'm looking for it's not exclusive to anyone it's non-discriminate yes, yeah, yeah. yeah um it's the great leveler yeah. right everyone's everyone's now on the same level of we're, we're all you know we've got prince charles we've got boris johnson i don't believe for a second that, that donald trump hasn't got it <laughs> yeah um you know but it, yeah it puts things in perspective to go okay these uh, this virus doesn't discriminate mm -hmm. and yet i guess the difficult thing is that even though that's true um they'll be fine if obviously yes. if they survive the actual physical illness i think the and, and again yeah. it comes back to you asked how i am i've not worried really much about getting the virus i really obviously don't want to i'm Doing everything. No, I'm yet to not... speak to somebody who's worried about themselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um... Which I think is quite a nice thing, but maybe I'm only really talking to. Uh, no, I've spoken to older relatives, and they're not worried either. It's it's more yeah. they're concerned for yeah, others, my, my parents, which is nice. Uh, you know, they're really really healthy, but they're I suppose in the bracket of people that are, need to be extra careful. But they, mm -hmm. um, their their first thought again is just like, no, no, you've got to be careful you've got to be careful um my in-laws as well no you you two have to be careful because it's like yeah but so i think you're right like no one's really but i, I wonder if again that's this assumption that oh it's not gonna happen to me i'm not gonna get ill i don't get ill yeah um and that's the the big the great leveler as you say is that anyone could get ill i think the the thing that's really worrying people is what does this what impact is this going to have on my job my security my rent mortgage all of that stuff that's where people are being a bit more selfish yeah i think yeah you know and I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that selfishness is is an inherently negative or, or bad emotion to feel but certainly that's where everyone's concern mm. is coming from you know is what what am i going to do in the future where am i going to get this yeah. from and that's definitely been a um, challenge like just thinking about that all the time um you know i started a business 17 years ago and I keep thinking, again, very selfishly, I just keep thinking, wow, 17 years, could it really be over in a couple of weeks? Um, yeah. 
and I'm very much hoping that it won't be. And I don't think it will now. Uh, I did for a bit. I don't think it will. But um, yeah, again, it's a it's a selfish thought, but it's also <laughs> because of again the society and culture we're in. It is the most like flooring thought to have in a way because you of course 17 years it, man of of hard work and, and opportunities <laughs> so, yeah yeah my thing yeah. is well i can't i can't have an i can't get another job so yeah now what do i do all right <laughs> um and in a way you kind of think well that's just really not important right now but at the same time it is it is a big part of my life so but it's it's so linked to your mental well-being and and happiness and even you know in joker for example i'd, I'd argue that one of the points that okay so there's that um oh my god i'm having a brain fart the uh, inciting moment yeah. sorry incident inciting incident is when he kills the three men on the tube but i'd actually argue that when everything starts going bad for him is when he gets fired oh yeah yeah well, it's all this stuff kind of starts to just pile on top and that, yeah. It all, yeah, it snowballs and everything. But when he loses his job, that is his livelihood. Mm. That is something that, you know, it, it provides, it's his only source of, of income and purpose. And I, and I think that, and... the, sorry, um, yeah, I was no, going to no, say no. that uh, they've been very, very specific and obvious in the fact that his livelihood is being a joker <laughs> so um yeah. so to lose it he then has to decide to become that for real so he was his job yeah. was to play a character and he was so defined by that job um and this this kind of thing that he keeps repeating that he was put on the world put on earth to make people laugh and then when someone takes that away from him he has to take control of it um and again i think like that like you say it's it's a big deal right now um the idea that loads of people could lose their identity or struggle with yeah. working out what their new identity is going to be um and and trying to untie that from the way you make money is uh it's hard hard work it's hard work it's very yeah. difficult very difficult to kind of rebrand we're not all madonnas <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> We can't all, we don't, we're not all able to, to just jump into a, a different kind of skin. How do you feel, as it were, um, about <laughs> this, about this re desperate need to be productive during all this? Um, I do feel a bit overwhelmed by it, but also my lifestyle's not changed massively, um, with the exception of looking forward to socializing. Mm. So I, normally i'm at home on my own anyway either writing uh, my column or looking for or you know doing keynote speaking which obviously now is not happening because i can't you know you can't be in rooms with people writing speeches and stuff like that so that is pretty solitary work anyway um but yeah i'm i'm missing the light at the end of the tunnel the oh i'm gonna go to a barbecue or to a birthday party or something like that um, now it's just kind of um, a long nothingness and that is almost putting more pressure on me because I'm really good at working to deadlines yeah. <laughs> so 
for example, I've I've got to file a column tomorrow morning by like 9am. And what I normally do is I write notes until midnight and then I get up at five and write until <laughs> nine and then submit it. Even though yeah, I've had yeah. all week and I've had fuck all to do, I won't be able to do it till then. So now <clears throat> having no deadline <laughs> is really wow. weird. You know, no deadline yeah. for anything. I don't even have a deadline to shower. Because I do that as well. Why shower in the morning if you're going to go out in the evening? Wait until like half an hour before you leave yeah. to have a shower. That's how my, that's how my um, routine tends to work. Whereas now, the only so the only deadline I have a day is that Sainsbury shuts at nine. <laughs> so at like quarter two, I'll run to Sainsbury's and do it. I don't know why I'm wired like that. I always have been. Um, but yeah, that is what I'm struggling with: is the concept of time and and deadlines. Oh. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, but not doing much within it. Because this is this is the writer's dream, right? Well, yeah. You can't do anything. Stay at home. And I'm like, oh, God, careful what you wish for. Because now I'm, I, I feel like any time I, I look around my house, there's I'm reminded of something that I should be doing. Yeah. It means I'm doing a lot of DIY because I'm procrastinating from actually making the most of this time to write. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's so true yeah so the boat's looking spick yeah. and span i've painted it twice um but yeah still no script developments <laughs> but maybe that comes you, later how do you think you're feeling about that this yeah just because it's really uh, i love your questions yeah, i just you get so philosophical I've, this is it's something that's <laughs> bugging me like because i i've got a like the first day that it was clear we weren't going anywhere for a while. Um, yeah, last Monday, I, I think. wrote a long list of the things that I... They're all writing projects that I've started in some way. Um, some mm. go back years uh, that I want to get done. And and there's a genuine reason is that, like, you know, afterwards, especially in film and TV, I think there will be a lot of there'll be gaps in schedules there'll be need for for new ideas and new things and and i think i have some good ones um you've got a really good one as well that needs that needs doing but you know um uh-huh. well yeah what's good is like quite a few people have, have put out um competition's the wrong word but like mm. call outs for hey i'm a director let me read your scripts because now i've got nothing to do and i've actually sent my script around a lot more That's good. which is yeah great i've i felt kind of justification for hey read this and hey do that um instead of just letting it sit there that's very good that's quite good it's but yeah i'm just i'm trying to work out what it is like i've got this long list and i could really knuckle down and get it done it's such a perfect time and i Mm. don't haven't yet done any and i feel really bad and guilty about that but then it's been like six days <laughs> you know maybe yeah i'm just trying yeah i guess i'm trying to articulate that it's probably fine to just not be productive for a little bit yeah give yourself yeah. a bit of a break and and also kind of go with that flow of you're gonna everything goes in cycles mm. right your menstrual cycle you i I believe in this thing called biorhythms. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, you can Google it. So I didn't, I'm not, my, 
my dad's like science led very practical man pragmatic but one night we got really pissed and at about 3 a.m he was like you ever heard of biorhythms nick i was like no what the hell's that he's like all right so it's basically the closest thing i'll ever get to to astrology or horoscopes and stuff but it's like this scientific supposedly graph that charts your biorhythms and there's three of them there's physical emotional and intellectual and it goes in a cycle and you can type in basically your date and time of birth and it should it shows you on a graph where you're feeling and, and it's just a nice reminder and he, he'd say every so often even though he doesn't believe in all that wanky <laughs> bullshit um you know he would if he was feeling a bit shit he'd check his biorhythms and it if his biorhythm said, oh, yeah, you're going to be feeling a bit down, he'd be like, oh, OK, I just accept. Wow. Instead of instead of trying to find a rhyme or reason for, you know, mm. feeling shit and trying to get better, just there's a real power in just accepting it. And actually, in, in the 80s, I think, um, yeah, he told me that uh, airline pilots weren't allowed to fly if their biorhythms oh. were low. Oh, my God. So it was taken wow. that seriously back in the day. But yeah, yeah check well, it out. Uh... But I do, there is a real power, isn't there, in just accepting, okay, so I've, I've done nothing yeah. for six days. That's okay. That's part of the now process that, as well. That's, that sentence kind of sums up, I think, what I'm trying to get in my head. And I'm not being very articulate, but I'm mm. just, I guess I'm trying to work it out myself. That thought, I've done nothing for six days. I've done so much over the last six days, right? But it's not what our culture has decided is productive so like I've, right like, okay i love yeah. cooking for example and i love cooking for danny um because she always really appreciates the meal and like i feel genuinely buzzy and excited and alive by cooking a nice meal for us and then enjoying it and that was done i've done like i've done so much of that I've done so much of that but then when i sort of when I'm sitting there going, what have I achieved? It doesn't even enter my head until I really slow down and have to think about it. And I feel like this kind of like having everyone being forced into this weird situation now, like trying to take stock of simple stuff like cooking food and keeping you and your family alive with food is like, it's just yeah. as important as... I don't know. That, that's yeah, the most yeah. Yeah. that's the mostest the mostest yeah. importantest is you know staying alive yeah there we go that's it yeah. staying alive and maybe that's just maybe that's enough for now um what would you have to do, do you know to what? consider Sorry, there's, in there's, your mind maybe think of it because i'm always thinking in film quotes but um, <laughs> <laughs> there's <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about like the the response to this is a lot like being in a war and World War Two and all the people that we lost and what we did in World War Two and all this stuff. Um, and there's a line right at the end of Dunkirk where they're like giving out first aid and giving out meals and blankets and stuff to all the people coming home. And one of the soldiers says to an old man, um, why are you cheering us? All we did was survive. And he said, that's enough. And I kind of feel like, wow, that, that is what we're going to have to start realizing maybe <laughs> it's like that's enough for now just yeah. survive um and and you know that's not me saying that i've got there um and maybe i'm not right but like it just feels 
having that thought is probably quite calming to people hopefully um that it is enough for now because yeah, there it has is a to threat be. to that it's it's very you know it's a huge minority of people that will unfortunately won't get over the virus but it is a threat out mm. there and that's what we're trying to do of course and it's the the virus is only the the primary th- yes, threat yeah. but the secondary is our the restrictions to our life which is yeah. fine but those res- when those restrictions then have a tertiary effect of affecting our mental well-being mm. that in itself you know i don't feel like i'm fighting the virus right now i feel like i'm fighting my mental illness yeah yeah and I think a lot of people feel like that. Um, they feel, you know, there's so much more pressure on the NHS and mental health services are, you know, I mean, they're under enough strain as it is in, you know, quote unquote, a normal uh, society, a, a normal uh, time, sorry. But now there's that added pressure and people feel like even more of a burden. Um, and that's that's what I'm struggling with a little bit I mean I'm in a good place anyway I'm, I'm in a very good place mentally but it's that fear of okay all my coping me- mechanisms have kind of been taken away mm. from me um and you know there's worries about access to services which again links back to the joker you know when he gets told by his therapist like they don't give a shit about you now, I'm not saying the NHS don't give a shit about us of course oh my God, they yeah. do yeah, yeah. but where he goes, you know, where am I going to get my medication mm. from? And although that's not the society that we are living in, that's, you know, far from it, I still identify with that fear of, oh, well, where... there's a lot of people online, like, sadly, I even know of a woman who who, who took her own life uh, last week yeah. because the anxiety over, you know, end of days, et cetera, just all got too much and and it consumed yeah. her. I know of a lot of people who feel completely helpless and worthless and their self-esteem has absolutely plummeted. And, and with that, um, has their, their mental wellness has, has plummeted. Also, certain people who, so this is an interesting one, some people who are alcohol dependent um, are struggling to get hold of supplies oh yeah, of alcohol. Yeah. Um, and that's very worrying because for a lot of people, um, although obviously it's not an ideal, smoking or drinking is a very controlled form of, of self-harm and a coping mechanism. And to have that taken yeah, away yeah. is really, because it's not seen as essential because some people are only getting essential apply, supplies, yeah. um, that's yeah, scary I think also if you're yeah, if you are alcohol dependent, there is a a physical risk of going into withdrawal as well. So, of course, which again, knock on so that effect, has to be taken know, into consideration. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the and the wider picture, you know, the more money we pump into mental health services, the less strain that is on A and E departments. Like my cousin's a police officer, and he says that so many of the call outs that he has are to do with people um who attempted suicide or people who who need first responders because sometimes the ambulances are, are too busy yeah. wow 
So he goes to so many call outs and as a police officer, he has to be trained in how to do um, mental health first aid. And that isn't, you know, the police shouldn't be having their services. And I I really don't think that it's been spoken about enough. And I understand why, because I do think the government are doing a great job under the circumstances. However, why aren't we questioning every single day why there have been so many so many cuts to the NHS over the past ten years? Yeah, I th- yeah. There's an odd thing now is that you do see people question it, and then you immediately send, see ten people saying, "Now's not the time to." You know, now is not the it, time. It's like, well, yeah, no, actually, and they're I get right because like five years ago was the time, and no one listened, and no yeah. one did anything about it, and everyone still voted for him. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's too late effectively it beggars belief like we're we're, you know we're now begging um like i'm on a first responder (laughs) you know you know that app i don't know if you've joined the app the good sam app which is great because you can you know um you can apply to it to call an old person or if someone needs their groceries delivering as long as you're healthy and not showing symptoms you can help out etc but it fascinated me that this app existed it was like the first responder app and anyone who was formerly in the nhs or was medically trained can sign up to it and if an ambulance can't get to somebody in time they could respond it was like a it would just pop up on their phone so if someone's having a heart attack it shows you where the nearest defibrillator defibrillator is and you go and do it and it's scary me thinking god i mean it's obviously a very very Mm. clever idea and no doubt extremely useful but i wonder how many people actually rely on that rather than (laughs) oh god actual ambulance response time do you know what i mean oh man um how does that link to the joker though (laughs) (laughs) the defibrillator oh you know there's uh I do think there is uh, there is an interesting link um, potentially there's there's a line in his notebook that he scribbles that says the worst thing about having a mental illness is having to pretend you don't um, yeah everyone expects and, and, yeah, you that's to right, act yeah, like yeah. you don't um, sorry did I just oh, out quote you yeah. on Joker many, oh, Ooh. Off my game man I should have rewatched this morning just to check up. Um, <laughs> it's your drowsy. Um, it's, my, your drowsy it's all my drowsies. Yeah. Tablets, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the something that's been interesting to me is that I think it will be a good thing going forward. Potentially, is that like when stuff like this happens, it's almost like everyone realizes that their mental health isn't <laughs> as robust as they maybe were thinking it was. Um, and that yeah. that's fine because uh, just like everyone gets colds, everyone needs a little help in, in the head occasionally as well. And it's almost like it's suddenly everyone... I did see an article, maybe, it might have even been written by you, I can't remember. There was an article that was like... <laughs> sort of explaining to people who thought that they that mental health problems didn't apply to them what anxiety was <laughs> oh yeah I think it yeah, might be yeah. my piece um, yeah I wrote about um the fact that oh no maybe not actually but I did write a piece on uh, reassuring people who have suffered from mental illness and anxiety that they will now 
see many people around them who have never displayed or haven't outwardly displayed anxiety mm. before. Um, and it's quite weird because normally as an anxious person, you feel like a bit of an outsider and now everyone's anxious, but we have the tools to be able yeah. to help yeah. people who may not have experienced yeah, so that I did, before. Yeah, I saw that one from you. No, I think you're talking about the and one. I've seen another yeah, that's kind of ties into someone that, explaining. That, you know, yeah, so I think actually yours was probably a much more kind of helpful and positive spin on it, but it was almost, uh, it was just an interesting oh, really? kind of, um, not saying that people are just going about their lives pretending they're fine all the time, but I do think there is, um, again, culturally, you do have to, you That's do have denial. to pretend you're fine to get ahead most of the time. Mm. Um, and it's suddenly, again, being a, a great leveller, this kind of made everyone go oh, I'm not fine <laughs> what now I'm what? not fine <laughs> I'm not okay and I have nothing to distract myself mm. or lean back on it's um yeah it's a very a scary old time but so another link to Joker that I wanted to bring up was so it it's really occurred to me during this time just how important the world of mm. entertainment is and how people depend on it, not only to be entertained and as a form of distraction, but to kind of feel yeah. comforted and to feel a sense of belonging. Even though most people have never, like, I've never met Ant and Dec. I feel like I know them. I feel like, like I see them more than lots of my, you know, I suppose extended family. Cause you, you, you see them for a couple of hours a week, or if it's, I'm a celebrity, you see them every night for an hour, whatever. You know these people, they are comforting. They are like yeah. a control, as it were. And when those TV shows start to disappear and go off air, that oh, was yeah. really worrying for me. So Holly and Phil on this morning, they're classed as key workers because they're covering okay. coronavirus. Yeah. But Anton Deck aren't, I believe, because it's just a purely wow. an entertainment show. So they're just doing like best bits or whatever. But sorry, I'm just wiping my nose because I've properly got the sniffles. <laughs> I'm I'm super duper gross right now. Um, but yeah, so in Joker, it's the yeah. Murray show, right? So Robert De Niro plays the character of Murray, who's a family. Um, yeah, it's a family show, right? He yeah, he, he yeah. says that uh, yeah, it's a family it's like chat show, show yeah, in the show. evening. Yeah, like your James Corden, your Stephen yeah. Colbert or your whatever. And Joker forms this... Oh, Sugar, what's Arthur his real Fleck, name? Arthur. Yeah. Thank you, Arthur Fleck. You oh, win. Back in the game. Back oh, no, that's, that's one all. You're back in the game. <laughs> You're back in the game. But um, Arthur has, has seen this guy as a father figure and a very trusted man in his life. It, you know, with, with the absence of his own father growing up. And we do, don't we, in our current culture and society, form these personal relationships, mm. albeit one way, with the people that we see on TV. And yet we are the people who are being exploited by that system. <laughs> if you look at, it, I feel really, really strongly about this. If you look at TV shows like The Voice or X Factor, it's like mm, trauma yeah. porn, right? So in, in Joker, they they show a clip of him doing some of his stand-up, which is not funny, but they end up laughing at him. So they then invite him into onto this chat show 
because at his own expense, right? We're going to, he's not a funny comedian, but we're going to laugh at the fact that he's an oddball and he's weird. And, you know, these clips are going to go viral or whatever. And that's the format that most, um, like nonfiction, as it were, TV is based on, right? Have we become so bad as writers and is our imagination so dead now that we actually need to use real people who are these eccentrics, these eccentrics, sorry, um, and they are what entertain us. We look at, you know, the come dine with me, these quote unquote Mm. crazy people with these bizarre lives and we exploit them. Like look at something like these, these TV talent shows where people who have normal jobs, are earning a living and a decent honest living for their family they quit their jobs from what i understand they don't get paid but obviously they have different opportunities and opportunities to make money if they win said talent show and they completely upend their lives for the sake of you know eight weeks they don't earn anything they've lost their job what job's going to take somebody back after, you know, some maybe, but maybe not, you know, not the woman who's stacking shelves at Tesco because she probably can't go back to stacking shelves at Tesco because everyone now freaking recognizes her, you know? And that's, that's the culture that, that we live in. We, we take, I believe it tends to be people from working class backgrounds. We build them up and tear them down. Look at Caroline Flack. Caroline Flack is a joker of our generation, almost. It's like, look at this girl. Oh, she's so unlucky in her love life. We're just going to put the spotlight on her. And if she puts the foot wrong, we're going to blame her for having done it and for having played the game. All right, well, if you're working class and you come from a background where you you haven't got that privilege and that wealth of money behind you, who's going to say no to five yeah, grand yeah. for a photo? When you, you know, when your mum and dad still living in a council flat or whatever of course you're gonna do it so you can't turn around and say oh she played the game she didn't she's just not stupid and she doesn't perhaps come from a background where she can afford this is a thing middle class and 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 like upper class i suppose people can afford to say no to stuff But it's it's people like the Caroline Flats, the Kerry Katonas, the Jade Goodies, who come from working class backgrounds, and they're like, oh, they didn't know any better. And it's not that they didn't that they're stupid or they don't know any better. It's just like that money is opportunity for a lot of people, and that's you know I don't think there's any. Sorry, I'm going on off on a bit of a rant here, yeah, but I feel yeah. really strongly about this. Is that there's only people who have money that turn their nose up. Yeah at money right they're like oh you know this you're you're so you're such a capitalist and and you know you shouldn't do everything for the sake of money it's like great well actually you're quite privileged to be able to think like that because people like working class people and certainly like and i'm not working class i probably like i'm from a working class background but i myself would probably be middle class but i still see money as opportunity you know it's not about having a ton of money. I don't want that. But if I can earn money, that means I have time to spend with my family or I can afford experiences or to live my life properly. So when women like Kerry Katona are offered a few grand or whatever to do a photo shoot and then people take the piss out of her for having done that, they're 
who are they to judge? Yeah. It, it just pisses me off. It pisses me off. And I think that that's, re- that's put across really well in Joker, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, because, spoiler alert, he ends up shooting the TV host who's taking the piss out of him. And a lot of the time, I cannot believe that some of these people on reality TV shows or whatever haven't just completely lost it and punched certain, you know, TV personalities well, in the is, face, I guess. This is what... Because, you know, again, spoilers, but all the time leading up to that finale kind of event, he seems to be planning to show himself to the to the TV audience and then turn the gun on himself. And Yeah, his plans to, to yeah, die but, by but suicide. Everyone to show everyone what they've done to him. Um, and I guess the... the this, the really sort of bleak thought is that people probably don't lash out because actually most people aren't violent to others. The majority of people are not violent to others, but yeah. the damage that you do to yourself when you go home and look in the mirror and the hatred you inflict upon yourself is probably, you know, just as strong. Um, it, yeah, I, I, it's physics, right? I, st- I strongly believe in this. For every action, there's an equal op- and opposite reaction. If something bad happens to you, something traumatic happens to you, um, that has mm. to be taken out somehow. And a lot of people will lash out and take it out on others and maybe spread it out amongst five or six different people, maybe. Or you end up taking yeah. it out on yourself yeah. in one big go. Um, it is, yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's some sort of science to that. I'm not claiming that it's actual physics. I'm, I'm aware of that. But there is a reaction to stuff. And and you can see, right, you can see people who have had difficult relationships with their parents growing up and they end up taking it out on their kids. And this is why I'm such a big believer in therapy is by letting something out, in letting that energy, letting that tension, whatever that thing is inside you, out in a positive or creative way so that it doesn't end up damaging you or your relationships. Fuck, I've been a massive, you know, um, I've mm. I've definitely done that myself, taking things out on other people, taking it out on myself and and finding a healthy way to process it is is key. And that's what we're talking about now, right? Is the world's mm. gone mad. How do we process that in a healthy creative not necessarily productive well, yeah and, and way. you know that comes back to your first episode about you know people saying about their kind of selfish thoughts their mundane <laughs> selfish thoughts and stuff um, yeah yeah i said to danny the other week i was like this this is taking its toll and i can't even go to therapy and it's such a privileged like <laughs> thought that i i instantly was annoyed at myself for thinking that you know it's a it's privilege that i you know have a good therapist and i can go and i can sort of afford to go now and then um and i was like oh, yeah. i can't even go because i can't effectively go to the doctor when i probably need yeah. to more than more than usual and all. um than ever so yeah but yeah but it is it is very important um it's it's might be selfish but it's not self it's not that's it's not a bad selfish no, I guess it, it's more the is I it? suppose it's the insignificance but then 
this is something that I think yeah. we all have to learn is in, if you put everything in perspective and context, then nothing will ever mean anything um, because you can always find a bigger purpose. You know, just the universe literally is infinite. So you can always go bigger than the, the biggest problem you think that you have. So I, I do think that mm-hmm. it's important to try and realise that even kind of small internal thoughts and problems are real to whoever's experiencing them. So it is. Yeah. You have to give them, Mm. you know, you have to validate them, uh, but also then get rid of them. If, if you've processed them, you can't deny, you can't deny these feelings because that's when, that's when they build up. They're they're going to build up anyway, you know, but it's all about, process (laughs) processing and just doing the best we can i know it's such it's such a cheesy thing to say isn't it you know we're all in this together and just we're doing our best and we're doing our bit and blah 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 but it's also it's like it's absolutely okay to just be like my life's shit and this is really really unfair um and allow yourself to go through that but then limit it to how how long that that feeling or that thought is in your mind if you can it's not that easy i know that what what um um what kind of positives are there I f- <laughs> what, to, to what not, to coronavirus not to the virus, but to the you know I, I, <laughs> obviously I not no. in a weird way it'll probably take a lot longer than a, a few weeks in isolation but i do think that maybe this realization that we can maybe collectively have that that producing something all the time is not the be all and end all of your existence could be useful it might not be useful for like working people now but it might be something useful that just starts to trickle down through generations because i do believe um that in x amount of years and not that many um a a culture <laughs> you. oh my um, god i'm so sorry of uh working to receive money and rewards probably will have to not exist in some future where there are no jobs um i do think there's a few yeah. there's a possible future where automation just we basically create artificial intelligences and machines and incredible technologies that do all the things for us and so there really won't be the same requirement to get a job and earn money so i think we'll have to i mean this is like big thoughts and like it's probably too much but like the 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 very idea that no i love it get a job earn a certain amount of money whatever the value that society puts on it that's all we're geared yeah, to, exactly. right? And but then you retire. There That's might your value. Be a That's strange your purpose. kind of utopian future where jobs aren't what we do. We are just, you know, exchanging currency for goods and services is a system that's in history. And what human beings do is they just get up and and live, and we just live live on the planet, and that's what we do. Um, that yeah, could be the I, next revolution, think, you think? I, I feel like it's probably inevitable. I don't know how it works. I don't know what 
violence and pain that <laughs> we'll have to go through to get to it. But I think, yeah, you know, it's already happening. Um, it's happening now. We're, we're, we're living, albeit in a, a temporary state. Yeah. But and we I are living that's that. Maybe and... if we can see, like, if people can start to understand the value of who they are beyond the products they can create that might be kind of just this very very slow burning good thing that comes out of it that that again not probably yeah. the people that are working age now but the people that can pass that down to their kids and stuff just starting to understand I don't know place a little bit more value on that rather than what are you going to be when you grow up you know which is just it's just not going to be sustainable <laughs> to me but <laughs> it's it's certainly something unifying right that no matter what happens and, and how long it takes to get through this we all all of us mm. experienced this from the same point of view pretty much okay some people have lost their jobs some people have kept their jobs but pretty all of mm. us have had to go through it and can you say that about anything yeah no no. You can't, you know, even the war, okay, everyone, but even with the war, you were either, if you're a guy and of age, mm. were fighting it, and the re everyone else was sort of hanging back at home, shitting themselves about whether their partner were dead, was dead or not. Think, you know, everyone's experience was different, whereas... probably still the same, and I, I just think the, the front line in this, if this is a war, and I, I think sometimes that language isn't that helpful but like if you're making that comparison no. the front line are um people in the nhs and people well, you, you you're know, right people yeah that are going out every single day risking themselves but also jobs yeah and we're the know. land girls right we're the um, yeah because yeah, the, the gender it. thing doesn't Keep have any and... importance anymore on this but yeah but that that's the thing mm. that it's, it's indiscriminate isn't it um all elements of this are kind of indiscriminate. It doesn't it's sort of even if you're working class or middle or upper, maybe upper, oh, maybe they don't, they don't count, but loads of people have, have lost their jobs for whatever reason. If anything, it's people who are deemed as working class on lower salaries, for example, delivery drivers and supermarket, check, supermarket checkout yeah. staff are now key workers. Yeah. It's fucking fantastic. You know, what's happened to yeah. the pecking order and now? Hopefully that does create a bit of a shift after it um i see a lot of people saying you know when are we getting back to normal and also people saying well maybe normal wasn't working very well um and it's a time to yeah. not get back to normal but to get get forward to something else um which can't be a bad way to look at it i think do you know what al i don't think that that we're gonna find a better place to oh. end our chat I think that is, I think you've summed it up quite well there. It's not about going back to normal. It's a, yeah. it's a new normal and progressing forward. We're not necessarily very good at that, no, are we? but I think, <laughs> you know, it, we have it to doesn't be. seem like we are, but I think we are as a species. It's just so, the world turns and you don't feel it move. And we do that we do change but it's you know it's uh 
it's hard to recognize it. It doesn't happen fast and with huge explosion of violence. It happens with a a little spark sets something off, and you know there will be there will be positives to come out of stuff like this. Um, we might not see them immediately, but I think all of that stuff about valuing key workers, all of that stuff, I think it it's got to be there's got to be some good. And there ends the third episode of the Mental Health Breakdown podcast. That's episode three. Is it just me or is it getting crazier out there? Um, I do just want to say I didn't just cut Al off at the end of the interview, but I had a couple of technical issues. So I do promise that I did say goodbye to him and wished him a lovely day with his cats and his wife, Danny. Hello, Danny. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're, you're staying safe and getting through this as best you can. As always, my DMs are open, so you can tweet me at NicolaThorpe underscore, or you can get in touch via Instagram at MissNicolaThorpe. So remember, stay safe, don't be a dick, and wash your hands, yeah? Bye.